going. Happy Tuesday. It is your uh, your good buddy, Wrestling Inc. Managing Editor, Nick Hausman, back here for another episode of The Winkly, and I am joined here as I am just about every Tuesday by my good friend, Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to The Winkly. I am also your good buddy, um, especially if you follow me on Twitter, at The Real Weissman. There you go. Uh, Got that plug in early today. Look at that. Is that a good name for our listeners, The Good Buddies? Like, there's, good, good... Bro- there's good brothers, you know? Uh-huh. These are these yeah. are these are good buddies. Thanks. I, I feel like the good brothers thing wasn't really a great name for them and didn't really stick, you know? Sure. Sure. Well, that's And know. the and the Bailey buddies are no more, mm. so I feel like pick I it don't up. Know. Yeah, pick it up. I like that. You you know what? You're right. Now I'm now I'm like settled on it. The good buddies. That's what our <laughs> listeners are called. Sounds a little... Isn't that the name of the the doll from Chucky, Good Buddies, right? Oh, I don't know, man. I mean, uh no, he's little buddy. I thought no, I think he's he's some kind of um, okay. The buddy doll. He's just the buddy doll. Is all I think he is. so. Yeah. Lots of great things here for this to be our name. It's perfect. Yeah, a lot of great things. Well, it's a lot of great things going on in the world of pro wrestling. We're going to get to it all here today. We got all the news of the past five days, so a lot to get to here, uh, as there is just about every Tuesday now. Uh, but after the news here, we also have some audio for your ear holes. I'm very happy with the audio we've got, the interviews we've got here after the news. Uh, right after the news, you're going to hear my interview with none other than Gangrel. That's my that's me doing his theme song. Gangrel is going to be here today. Loved this interview. After the Gangrel interview, our good buddy Brian. See, I'm using it. I'm sticking to it. Our good <laughs> We're bu- all good buddies here at Wrestling Inc. <laughs> the good bu- our good buddy Brian Wool. Brian Wool went to the uh, Impact Wrestling LA media event that took place on Friday. He got a bunch of interviews while he was there. Uh, and uh, the first interview we're going to play for you here this week, coming out of those, uh, will be the interview with, who better to start it with, the Impact World Heavyweight Champion, Brian Cage. The Swolverine is going to be here today. Uh, and this interview that Brian did with Cage, it took place in like a, a busy a media room. Not all the interviews were, were done in this room. But you're going to hear, like, background noise. You're going to hear maybe Ty in the background say something. You're going to feel like you're in the media room there with Brian Wool and Brian Cage. The, the two Bs, double Bs, Brian and Brian. That's awesome. um, and none of this comes across on the audio, but Brian Wool has a fantastic beard. <laughs> he does. He does. He looks yeah. like uh, he looks like every mixologist you've ever had in your entire life. <laughs> if you've ever gone to a gin bar or mixology, what are they, are they called mixology bars? Yes, mixology bars. Yes, official I'm ob- name. I'm obviously very cool. Yeah, he, 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 yeah. Brian yeah. Wool, wonderful person, can probably make you an old fashioned. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Brian Cage, wonderful person, Impact World Heavyweight Champion. So yeah, exactly. And he's the new fashion of professional wrestling, not the old fashioned. Anyway, our good buddy Brian Cage. Speaking of new fashion, you know what I tried yesterday for the first time? I tried the uh, Impossible Whopper from Burger King. The, the fake mm-hmm. meat. The 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 new. The new not meat burger from them, really good. Mm-hmm. Gave me a lot of gas. There's my review mm-hmm. of the of the Impossible Burger. So Was it near a TJ Maxx? That's like the exact same as the other Whopper. I mean, it's a little less juicy, I think, you know, but it tastes just as good. Did you try one too? You've had the Impossible Whopper? Yeah, I've had it twice. I, I got it the day it came out. All right, because I'm real nerdy about fast food. Okay, and then. T-Mobile offered me a free one like a week later. It was like winning the lottery. I like it better than the Whopper. I thought it was really good. And it's better for our environment, so take it as you will. Daniel Bryan would be proud. Good. All right. With that, let's get to it here. News you can use. News that'll leave a bruise. 
Uh, we're going to start uh, with the ratings for AEW and NXT. Again, this is week two. So before we get to everything else, let's talk about what happened here last Wednesday night. Show Buzz Daily reporting that the, the second week of Dynamite drew 1.018,000 1, viewers. Uh, NXT drew 790,000 viewers. Dynamite topped NXT by 29%. Last week's uh, Dynamite premiere, of course, did one4 um, and uh, it, uh, so the audience was down for Dynamite by about 28%. NXT only down 11% from last week's season premiere episode, which drew 891,000. Uh, they were also dual showing Dynamite on True TV and TNT at the same time because there was a chance that the baseball could bump Dynamite. So uh, True TV viewership factored in. Dynamite drew about 1.14 million. Uh, so topped NXT by 43%, still down. 19% from, uh, percent from last week's viewership. Uh, Post-Wrestling reporting that AEW Dynamite uh, drew approximately 150,000 viewers for TSN2 uh, in Canada. That's up th- that's up 38% from last week's 109,000 viewers. And PW Torch reporting that the Dynamite Airplay that aired at 10 p.m. Eastern on TNT drew 363,000 viewers. Uh, last week's replay did 423, so down about 14%. So my, my bold prediction that everybody would see a ratings increase this week did not, or last week did not happen. What do you think uh, expectations are here for week three? Or how are you feeling going into week three of these Wednesday Night Wars? Well, I'm so thankful you brought up the True TV viewership numbers because we talked about these Friday night on the postgame show very briefly. And I got so much flack for not calling out that extra hundred and what was it? Um, Hundred hundred and nine thousand people that watched on True TV this week exclusively, right? So yes, that did impact the numbers a little bit, y'all, right? But right. yeah, I, I can't help but be disappointed that both Dynamite and NXT were down. I, you know, you kind of knew it's a possibility Dynamite might go down, but I thought maybe the buzz after Hell in a Cell and and how well received that opening show was might still prop them up at least to maintain. But I was very ambitious and said, man, let, let's see it go up a couple couple hundred thousand here. Did not happen. And NXT, you know, not a huge drop, but down 11%. And they've done nothing but go down week over week over week since debuting on uh, USA. So I, I think NXT, it feels like that drop-off is slowing down. Maybe they're going to settle in somewhere around eight to 900,000 as their weekly number. Mm. And that's a fine number. Um, but Dynamite dropping down to roughly, you know, 1.2 million um, is just, again, they dropped off a couple hundred thousand, which I'm disappointed by. Now, I, I think it's important to say a couple of things here. That 109, um, let's see here, the oh, the 363,000 the viewers that were watching the replay, yes, it was a 14% drop from last week, but a lot of fans are watching NXT and then tuning in or just choosing to watch at 10 p.m., right. which is a really solid number there. I mean, 363,000 for a replay is, is pretty fantastic. You factor that in for the same day viewing, and it boosts you on up there. Mm-hmm. And also... Dynamite's out there on the road, AEW on the road every week, and they're putting butts in the seats in those arenas. That may taper off as the excitement goes down, but that's that's a good look as well for this young company. Well, you you brought up how uh, they are they're playing these arenas right now. The Observer reporting that there's a lot of talk about uh, taking NXT on the road each Wednesday night. Uh, WWE officials apparently are reportedly looking at running arenas with around uh, a 5,000 seat capacity, similar to what AEW has been doing. Uh, they've reached out to some arenas that size to shoot TV on Wednesday nights, uh, which, uh, you know, would be these NXT shows. So NXT may be going on the road here. I mean, I do, you know, I, 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 I thought it would look like this, and this is exactly how it looks. NXT looks like it's on a small, quiet uh, car parking like they used to. The car, <laughs> the car companies used to sponsor the studio shows. That's what this feels right. like to me. 
Uh, and not in the good way that we saw last week with the NWA debut. So, Yeah, agreed. So, uh, you know, it looks like NXT could be hitting the road, which I think is a good idea. But I think that's a good idea if you're trying to win the viewership war. Because I, I do, I still think to myself, per viewer, who is making more money per viewer? I guess is what I'm thinking. Because, like, if the viewership is up for mm-hmm. AEW, but it costs them more to be on the road and doing shows at that level... And NXT is not doing as well viewership-wise, but they're paying a lot less because they're doing everything in-house, not having to travel. Who is losing here, I guess, is uh, what I started to think about. You know, who is who is winning? Lo- is perception the reality or is the reality financial, you know? Oh, the reality is always financial. And USA ha- has obviously paid a decent amount of money to have NXT on Wednesday nights. Mm-hmm. I don't think we know what the deal is with TNT and AEW. I know that AEW said that they are being paid to be on TV, but how that deal looks in the back end, nobody's really sure. At least right. we're not in the media. So, you know, it, WWE is making some money off NXT, but also WWE is a much larger company. Now, the cons have infinite resources, don't get me wrong, but everything WWE does is kind of tied together under that same umbrella. So even if they're losing a little bit on the NXT side, they're making that up on the back end with X, Y, or Z deal. And and so it, it all kind of plays out here, and they can afford to take some of these risks and whatever else. So, yeah, you know, it's strange. I, I'm very – I got to say – when you look at these numbers, you talk about NXT drawing less than a million. You talk about AEW kind of maybe leveling off just over a million. And we're talking about numbers that aren't too far off from what Spike TV was doing or, or what Impact Wrestling was doing on Spike TV. Yeah, but viewership and, was higher when, when Impact was on Sp- Spike TV. More people were watching TV at that time. So I don't really know that it's fair to, to directly compare those numbers, you know? Well, that's true. I mean, it, it was a decade ago, right? And and viewership was a high over overall. Impact Wrestling did peak at around 2 million viewers for that Monday night episode they did. But you still think, though, like, then, but it's worth more now, I guess, per viewer because there are fewer viewers watching TV. It's mm-hmm. hard to know how to judge these numbers. WWE has a built-in network with their audience already there, right? So at some point, if these ratings go down low enough, they put it back on the network, they're still making money off of it. Is AEW going to go that direction eventually? Who knows? Well, uh, we do know what we can expect, or a little bit of what we can expect this week from AEW Dynamite. So tomorrow night, Chris Jericho, he's defending the AEW Championship against Darby Allin. Uh, It's been announced that this is going to be a street fight. Uh, Jericho teasing on social media, he's going to bring back his pain maker persona that he created in New Japan Pro Wrestling, which I think is kind of cool. Reminds me kind of like the three faces of Foley. You don't know which mm-hmm. version of Jericho you're going to get for each match. That's pretty cool. Um, oh, Michael, you there? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you dropped off for a second. My bad. Uh, I um, was coughing in the background. Okay. I had to mute my microphone. <laughs> I heard you go away. I was like, oh, God, I lost him. <laughs> All right. Anyway, yeah, Jericho's put the title on the line. Street fight with Darby Allen. I'm sure that'll be great. Um, I thought that last week's AEW show was largely very good. Um, we'll also this week have Taz. He's going to do guest commentary on AEW Dark, which is the YouTube series. I guess what I'm wondering is, are you engaged by the AEW product? Are you excited to watch this week's show? Are you excited to watch NXT show this week? What, what, how are you feeling emotionally attached to these shows? I, I think AEW is out there doing its thing, and, and they're they're doing the wrestling really well, and the fans that are there are bought into it. I don't know that I'm as motivated by it, right? Now, I got to watch Raw because we do this show. I got to watch SmackDown because I'm doing post game over there. I got to watch, you know, I like NXT. I'm attached to it. I've been there way for a number of years now. And I think the thing AEW is losing is I feel like they're missing that really important storytelling piece. And I know they're right. doing some of that via being the elite every week. And I know they're adding that stuff in there. But I, I kind of find myself DVRing 
AEW, and that's a show that I'll catch up on later. It doesn't feel as gotta see it newsworthy, I don't think. And it could just be because we're in draft season right now, and AEW, NXT is putting out some big matches. Um, but yeah, it's, it's lower on my radar, I think. Um, it's, it, I, I, I really liked the AEW show last week. I like watching AEW. It was, it was nice watching it with Liz, my girlfriend. She liked it. She thought it was like a, a much cooler product than Raw. She liked that the camera wasn't shaking all the time, which I thought was hilarious that that was a thing she noticed. Um, but, but, uh, but let me ask you this, Nick. Okay. This is, I think, the difference. You're exactly right. The wrestling is phenomenal. Um, JR is, is doing fine on commentary. I have a few issues with him sometimes, but he's, he's doing fine. He's doing a good job. But are the, does this show feel newsworthy in a way every week that I've got to watch it when it comes on? I, I I'm mean, worried about spoilers. Not not quite yet. But and that's the yeah. thing is like, but what is gripping people right now in pro wrestling? Are we all just a little fatigued? You know, mm. like I think it's I think it's wonderful. There's all this opportunity out there. A lot of people making money, a lot of options out there. But is it just too much? Is it oversaturated? Like, is it what's it is it like, oh man, I couldn't wait to get that 30 scoops of ice cream Sunday, and then when you're sitting there looking at it, you're like, oh man, maybe I'll <laughs> eat the banana on top. How where do I get the the, the doggy bag? You know, is it too is it too much right now that we're risking a little bit of burnout when it comes to the pro wrestling? I, I think it is. And again, I think too WWE has been very smart in the way they've put put the draft, which was not super newsworthy. Don't hear me saying that SmackDown especially was a very dry show, but they've been putting out things that feel newsworthy in a way, right? I've got to watch Raw because what are they going to do after the follow-up to Hell in a Cell? Well, nothing. I've got to watch SmackDown because it's a draft and we're going to have exciting draft news, right? Well, not really. And so I think there's been this perception that I, I want to watch those shows because I expect something to happen and nothing is happening. So I, I think moving forward, AEW <laughs> does have that innate draw. If you know it's going to be a solid product from beginning to end, yeah. even if it's not um, as quote-unquote exciting in certain aspects. I mean, Chris Jericho's promo that last week was an all-timer, right? And so, yeah, there's there's good stuff like that. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move into the very exciting things that you talked about. Hell in a Cell in the WWE Draft. <laughs> Those are the next things on my uh, my run sheet here. We'll start with Hell in a Cell. So uh, the Observer reporting that the original finish for the Hell in a Cell match that was uh, critically panned, panned by the fans, um, the original finish was for Wyatt to take a gimmicked bump off the top of the cell as a result You'd be unable to compete and continue. The match would be stopped. Following that, the Fiend would pop up like The Undertaker, take out Rollins with the Mandible Claw. A version of that did get done on the show. Uh, while Vince McMahon didn't want Wyatt to be beaten early, he also wanted Rollins, Brock, Becky, and Charlotte as the champions heading into the draft. That was the reason for the finish. Um, if this had been done the way it is described here, do you think it would have been better received or exactly the same received? I think overall the reception would have been the same because Mick Foley took that bump for real, um, you know, back in 98 and sure. continued the match. And Shane took that bump at WrestleMania. Yeah, with the and continued the match. Yeah. So I almost think it would be weird for them to stop the match there. The only positive would be that they wouldn't have spent so much time literally burying the Fiend on TV. And, and that would have allowed him to take a big bump. He's down for a minute or two. They call it off. He gets back up and, and, and he doesn't look quite as weak for so long. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, not a good choice either way, though. Let's just say <laughs> this was also not a great idea. And again, you have infinite creative resources. You control everything here. And these are the best two solutions you had. Okay. Mm. Well, let's see. So that that was so. Now was the week to get the train back on the tracks, Mike. Right now, <laughs> we're gonna get. We're gonna do the draft. We're gonna get people talking about other stuff. We're gonna engage people. And uh, I think that I don't know that that was mission accomplished this year. So the draft. Uh, first of all, to give some context, at WrestleVote saying that the draft 
uh, WWE this year. They wanted it to be a big deal. Heyman was backstage fighting for Aleister Black and Bray Wyatt. Uh, it was noted SmackDown executives, not necessarily Eric Bischoff, wanted Roman Reigns and Charlotte. I don't really know what to make of that comment, by the way. Not necessarily Eric. What does that mean? Does he have? Where, what does he have? Where to say? is Eric Bischoff? What is like? What is this dude doing? Great question. <clears throat> sleeping, man. He's sleeping with the writers. He's sleeping with his Sons of Anarchy buddy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, phrasing phrasing. Uh, Uh, yeah sorry go ahead i'm Uh, just saying you like you do these war rooms and you do all that we'll talk about that in a minute but like war rooms what what is eric bischoff doing in all of this they said he's going to come back and do stuff and then every week it's like well eric bischoff isn't involved in this he doesn't want this it's just it's weird well i'm sure we'll get i'm sure it'll all come out in a podcast with conrad one day um Well, WWE this year, they had their roster broken into two pools for this year's draft. Stephanie McMahon served as the commissioner here, announcing who had been drafted where. As you as you noted, Fox and USA had their own war room. I think Fox, arguably the more fun war room because they had a football robot in there. Awesome. Um, nice. We don't know if these were real executives, by the way. I'm going Raw to... did have a peacock on one of the laptops, though, so that was pretty, I'm pretty, pretty sure... ingenious as well. I'm pretty sure the USA uh, War Room also had like a nameplate that said the Authority on it, which uh, I thought was pretty, pretty funny. Anyway, <laughs> were we supposed to take the, the War Room thing? Like that cheapened everything, right? It like I'm not goofy. the only person who thinks that like that didn't come across as well as they hoped it would. Also, what cheapened it was football, like the the football panelists and all the other people they brought in. They literally, it was like, all right, guys, we got 60 seconds. Just kind of tell us what, like, look, when you think of pro wrestling, what do you think about it? And they're like, oh, Bruno San Martino. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah. Nothing topical, nothing relevant. The Jim Cramer one, the Mad Money one, that one I liked. That one yes. I was like, that's that's a good use. I wouldn't take his financial advice uh, if it if I was told to, but I would. Uh, I did enjoy him in that role. More Mad Money segments with Jim Cramer on on yeah. on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown. Well, you saw them leverage. I mean, the good news here, you saw them leverage the the power of being on Fox and USA with other stars and other brands, and I liked all of that. But this War Room stuff felt so contrived, and yeah. the, the the robot was awesome, right? The Fox robot <laughs> in the room, robot. right? Yeah. But also, he's high fiving people in the room, and you're yeah. just sitting there as a viewer thinking. I know this isn't real. Do they think that I'll think it's real? It's part of the show. And I wish they would have taken this draft a little bit more seriously. This kind of reminded me of like in high school. You ever do plays in high school? Are you a theater kid in high school? Mm-hmm. I, I did not do plays. I do plays as an adult, but not in high school. So. All right. Well, I did more plays in – I guess I did some in college. I'm not really a, an actor anymore. But if you took the process of announcing the cast list for a play and turned it into a draft – that's what this is, right? Yes, yes. Like we are getting, and it didn't, you know, it is. I think it's the fact that we all know that this is like, you know, contrived, premeditated, whatever you would be. The draft has just kind of played itself out. It felt like more of a thing we need to do that I'm not genuinely engaged with as opposed to something that is moving things along and creating interest. So anyway. Also, they spoiled their own draft. So, Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Too. Well, before that, so PW Insider reporting, WWE officials reportedly did actually meet with Fox and USA representatives make sure they were happy with everybody that's on their 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 rosters their superstars great um but yeah the draft order quasi leaked as part of a web announcement for the show it was like the wwe.com listing and if you looked at it the order of the names on the release was the order that they were picked on smackdown on friday and this got pointed out to me very early on and then it became like a game where you're like looking at the list 
you're like, oh, man, are they really going to keep it in order? And largely, I mean, a couple of differences, but they largely kept the list in order. Very weird. Um, the Observer reporting that the WWE website crew was told to put the names on the list in alphabetical order. But somehow, they forgot. And they just put up the list as it was. Uh, the list was then corrected, put in alphabetical order on Saturday. But boy, that was a... <laughs> I would not want to be the guy who who made that mistake. I'll say that much. Yeah. Very. I just don't understand how it gets through all these different layers of checks and balances. And by the time it's up there, hasn't anybody been like, what is the particular order this list is in? Oh, crap. This might actually be the draft order. Well, Maybe we should change it up. Well, exactly. And like in the day, this day and age where everything gets leaked, or anything, why would you be in your creative meeting, figure this all out, and then go over to like the web guy and be like, here's the list. <laughs> but, but... Don't do it in this order. You got to remember, alphabetize it because this is the actual order. I don't know if that was made clear or not. Very weird. Very weird miscommunication. Somebody doesn't know how to use sort in Excel is the problem. <laughs> the Observer also reporting all the top WWE couples uh, were kept together, much like they were in the Superstar Shakeup. They also noted that the WWE 24-7 title was moved to Raw since it was originally an idea by the USA Network to keep viewers when it comes to the third hour of Raw. So it doesn't look like we're going to get that title on SmackDown. Although the rules of the title would insinuate that you could get it on SmackDown, right? Yep. It's like the one of the two um, interpromotional titles, right? That and the women's tag team title. Well, then you have the whole like, all right, well, which brand's going to get what? Who actually landed on which roster? I didn't really care. Did you also feel this way? Where I was like, all right. You know, I guess it's like the stories and stuff we get to we'll create. We'll find out if it was good picks or whatever, but nothing really grabbed me. You got Brock to SmackDown, Bray Wyatt to SmackDown. That was kind of a surprise. Roman to SmackDown. Then you had Seth and Becky there on Raw with Kevin Owens. Those were a couple of the notable ones. Um, hmm. Yeah, it was because this list is largely reflective of where people were before they instituted the wild card rule, right? right? Other than right. Brock on SmackDown, right. which makes logical sense because yes. of Kane Velasquez and the tie to Fox in, in MMA. Uh, but everybody else, Reigns was already over there. Rollins right. was already on Raw. Yeah. Becky Lynch on Raw. Man, Bray Wyatt is the weird one to me. I don't know. He does seem like more of the character driven, you know, persona, right? The story driven, not the sport driven. I would have kept him on Raw. Also, he's still fighting your Raw Universal Champion for another month going into Crown Jewel. So that's a puzzling choice. But I guess they think he's a big enough star that, you know, it's it's important to put him over there on SmackDown. Well, we will get back to Rollins and Wyatt in a bit. Uh, undis uh, undrafted superstars, superstars that were not chosen, I guess, that are free agents. You got Cesaro, Harper, Apollo Crews, Mojo, No Way Jose, Luke Harper, Dana Brooke, The Iconics, Sarah Logan, Mandy Rose, and Sonny Deville. Did they not get drafted? Nope. <laughs> wow. Yep. Uh, you also had AOP, Kurt Hawkins, and Ryder. All of these people completely undrafted. I guess they'll get put somewhere, but there were some surprises. Cesaro, very surprised. You know, I got to get the vibe they might move him to, to NXT. I'm not mm -hmm. sure. Um, he'd be a great NXT champion. He'd be great. He'd kill down there. How did Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville not get drafted? I don't get that. I, I'm surprised by uh, AO. You mentioned um, AOP here on the run sheet and Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder as well. AOP, they've been building them up for weeks, and you're going to leave them off? That would have been a big surprise. Let them come out in the ring. We haven't seen them out there in a while. Let's let's do something like that. So. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, also on SmackDown on Friday night, we got uh, Bailey. She won the SmackDown Women's Championship. She also destroyed the Bailey Buddies with like a couple knives taped to a stick. Uh, she also sported a new shorter haircut. She had new gear. 
Um, I absolutely loved this. Of all the things WWE did this week, I think this was the shining spot for me. I just thought this was very, very well done. Liz was playing her game in the other room, and I had to be like, no, Liz, I think they're going to do something. You have to. I made her get up away from her game, come watch this. She was not disappointed. I thought this was very well done. Lots of kudos here to Bailey herself. She she delivered on this segment the way she needed to. They put the strap on her, which was an important piece of this, and I think it really worked. But yeah, you know, we've seen Bailey turn, quote unquote, turn a while back, and it felt kind of lackluster. It didn't get where it needed to get. And this felt like the culmination of all of that. It felt like the culmination of what's been going on for weeks. And so it was the right moment. It was very newsworthy. Yeah. And I think it opens up Bailey to do a lot more. And I'm Agreed. excited about that for her. I saw her new entrance. Somebody uh, did a video of it on Twitter of, uh, at, a li- at a live event over the weekend. Um, mm. It's like slowed down and more intense. It's like she, she also kind of has the Bray Wyatt thing where it like plays her old song and it just goes. And it's all black, and then out comes Bailey. Um, it's, I thought That's it was awesome. cool, but it's again, it's like very Bray Wyatt-y. When I watched it, I was like, "Oh, is she has she entered the Firefly Funhouse? Is this the new? Is Bray Wyatt going to slowly start like a I don't know, taking over superstars, turning them evil?" That kind <laughs> I of was game? just hoping for some some revamped Bailey buddies here. Like instead of like the yellow and green, we got some you know black, <laughs> right? Red eyes. They pop up real slow and ominous. That'd be cool. What about just what about just like stone monuments to herself that's the opposite right no no wacky wavy just intimidating with like a, a giant eagle menacing i am i am the mount rushmore of pro wrestling now i am bailey yeah i don't know i think it's just gonna be very stripped down i think they're gonna go minimalist direction with bailey here take away all the fun and pageantry is what it looks well like. she felt like a serious threat i mean putting her over charlotte was a big deal right but she also felt like a serious threat in the ring for the first time that she has since being on the main roster and i think that's awesome and when she does go back and learns the err of her ways and she brings those bailey buddies back it's gonna be a huge pop guaranteed return of the year slammy award winner for sure uh so with all of this said uh let's we do have the ratings here for smackdown on friday night uh did not did not uh hold up to the season premiere uh smackdown drew an average of 2.899 million down 25 percent from last week's 3.88 um that was of course the, the fox premiere in the 20th anniversary episode smackdown did win the night in the coveted 18 to 49 demo averaging a 0.95 but a 25 per a million people did not come back for week two of SmackDown. And I don't think that this draft thing was the, the right way to follow up on, on what happened last week. Because last week's SmackDown debut, a lot of action, fun names, big matches. This week it was like, slow down. Let's mm-hmm. talk about business. And that's not as engaging. I don't know. You, t- you tune in if you were watching last week and the very first thing. And I haven't looked. That segment by segment ratings for the night. But the first thing you saw was a great match. But to your point, it was a long match. Took about half an hour between Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. And I think that fans who were more casual aren't maybe as interested on week to week TV and viewing those super long matches. Uh, Yeah, not I wouldn't say a worrisome. It's only worrisome if it keeps going down week over week. But you brought back in a lot of casual fans um, for Fox's premiere episode of SmackDown. and, And you lost a lot of them. Now, SmackDown, still number one rated TV show in pro wrestling of the week. That's a big deal here. But if it keeps going down, I think Fox, I, I'm assuming Fox went somewhere around $3 million. Um, you got you to get back up there. Uh, well, uh, also on Raw, the Viking Raiders, they defeated Rude and Ziggler for the Raw Tag Team Championships. And their post-match promo, they mentioned how they were also IWGP and ROH Tag Team Champions. What do you make of that? 
Um, yeah, WWE has, you saw a lot more with NXT stars, uh, before you did with raw leaned into their history and they said they were the first ever, um, IWGP ROH, um, NXT and NXT yeah. and raw champions. I, you know, the, everybody knows it. We're all, you know, quote unquote, smart to the business. WWE has ignored it for too long. And I think it really does give a guy, guys like these, the Viking Raiders who have not been given the spotlight on TV. It does cement their credibility. And I would love to see. WWE do more of this kind of thing. Also, I think it takes away some of the shine from your competition, right? Because you're out there talking about how there is ROH in the world. There is New Japan in the world, blah, 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 blah. AEW is not the only other wrestling product in town. So I think it does, by proxy, make AEW look a little bit smaller if you are in the WWE exec office. Okay. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know. I just I thought it was interesting. Yeah, definitely trying to play to the, the smarter fans. Interesting, they would shine a light on, uh, well, they didn't explicitly say New Japan Pro Wrestling, but the ROH one, I was like, hmm, I don't know, maybe there's more to it. I don't think that New Japan and WWE are now or are planning to do any business, but ROH is in kind of an interesting spot here. I don't know yeah. if, I don't, and especially with WWE moving NXT up uh, onto TV, there's kind of that void there right now. Maybe Evolve kind of slides into that NXT role. I don't know, ROH. Under the WWE umbrella right now, that could be a good way to revitalize that brand, add a lot to the library, that kind of deal. I'm just floating mm-hmm. it out there. You know what I mean? Our, and ROH needs needs something, too. I mean, let's be honest. AEW stole a lot of their steam over the last couple of years, and yeah, that, that would be an interesting partnership. Well, let's talk about Cain Velasquez here. Uh, ESPN reporting Cain Velasquez has signed a multi-year deal with WWE. His new deal is said to be lucrative. The report noted that the MMA heavyweight has also informed UFC officials of his decision to retire from the octagon. Uh, He has been removed from UFC's USADA drug testing pool and from the UFC heavyweight rankings. And on that note, Kane will battle Brock Lesnar for the WWE title at Crown Jewel. It was announced at the Las Vegas press conference where Tyson Fury versus Braun Strowman was also announced. Um, Let's, uh, before we get to the Tyson Fury, Braun Strowman news here, Brock versus Kane at Crown Jewel now for the title. I kind of feel like they're going to put this title on Cain Velasquez. Yeah, it makes you think they will. And I think it's a curious decision here because I don't think it's Cain Velasquez, but the broader WWE audience, if they're not MMA or UFC fans, um, might not know him as well, right? And this dude hasn't even wrestled a single match and he's getting this championship. It bothers me, I think, the most. I get it. These guys had a blood feud back in UFC and Cain Velasquez beat up Brock. But... They're building this entire storyline on something that happened 10 years ago in an entirely different organization. I would like for them to have established these two a little bit more before going to this championship match. Yeah, I, I think that I think that putting the title, I, I actually like all of this. I just don't like it at Crown Jewel. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I actually have no problem. I like the story. I'm excited about the match. I've seen Kane work in a triple A. I thought he was much better than a lot of guys of his background and of his size. Um I think it's the right idea to put the title on him, to make a statement, to show wrestling fans that this guy is the real deal and you should take him seriously. And I think there's a lot you can do in years to come between Kane and Brock surrounding that title. I think there's a lot of... I just don't like that it's Crown Jewel. I actually have no issues with it other than the fact that it's at Crown Jewel. I wish it was at Survivor Series. And I'm I'm being nitpicky, storytelling-wise, all that kind of stuff. I wish they'd have done more. I I think the bigger question for me is, how does this move the needle uh, for WWE, right? We saw them bring in Ronda Rousey to try to bring in a more casual audience, and I don't think it really impacted their ratings that much. Um, It did help the women's division because it made WWE feel confident enough to give them 
the WrestleMania main event, but I don't think it moves the needle in any, any other real meaningful way for the company. And so for them to go this route and to your point, also at crown jewel, where I can't imagine it's going to be the same reception where it would have been if you'd have done it to your point from last week in Chicago mm-hmm. or in Las Vegas or somewhere else where there would have been a big fight city. I think that would yeah. have felt a little more special. Yeah. I don't know. This one I feel like should have been at Survivor Series, but maybe they're setting up a rematch at Survivor Series and Brock tries to take the title, or maybe Kane gets screwed over by Brock, or who knows, but uh, uh, yeah, just, I, I, I don't know. Well, then there's Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman, which is a match I care less about. The Gypsy King! Um, well, ESPN reporting that Fury's match at Crown Jewel is said to be a one-off for the time being. Uh, he is ex- Fury is expected to return to boxing in 2020 for a fight against Deontay Wilder, a rematch from their December 2018 bout. Uh, Fury's camp is concerned about a bad cut on his right eye sustained during his fight against Otto Wallen earlier this month, opening uh, their concern it could open up again during his match. Uh, Fury needed 47 stitches to close multiple cuts following the 12-round bout with Wallen. Yikes. Um mm. Well, uh, red equals green. I have a feeling this this sucker might get popped open here um, at Crown Jewel. And uh, also, the Observer reporting, Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, reportedly wanted Tyson Fury to compete in the kingdom. It was not confirmed that WWE is receiving extra money to bring Fury in, but it's likely because MBS wants him there. Fury reportedly approached WWE several years ago, but no deal was reached for some unknown reason. WWE then approached Fury very recently because I guess the Prince wanted him there. Deal was made. He's going to get a buttload of cash, and he's going to take on Braun Strowman. If I couldn't feel any more gross about this show, (laughs) this was the last thing that that pit in my stomach here. Right? Let's satisfy MBS. Ugh. At least if you have Kane Velasquez, you understand why they're going that direction, right? WWE thinks MMA and UFC does have some crossover appeal. Um, and Brock Lesnar and Kane Velasquez do have that history. Here with um, Tyson Fury, it, it's felt strange since he was there at SmackDown because it doesn't seem like fans were demanding it. And bringing, bringing boxers to pro wrestling is always a strange thing anyway. But when you hear this, you're like, okay, the pieces kind of fit. I don't know that it does much for me. I think their little thing on Friday, the intensity was was not there. It was kind of goofy. It was kind of weird. And, um, yeah, it's a business decision above all else, and I think it does hurt them a little bit with fans like us or even more casual fans who are like, why would I care about this? It's also weird to me that WWE, I think, has uh, has feels like they've gotten to the point where they've exhausted the media, uh, whereas it comes to scolding them for taking this blood money to do these shows. And now they don't care. They're just talking about Saudi Arabia. You know, they're putting it over. The Vegas presser was basically like propaganda. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still very weirded out by all of this. Like, it's weird and wrong. It feels wrong to me. Mm. Yep. Yep. And they're still doing it because it pays the bills. So <sighs> anyway, uh, also added to Crown Jewel, Bray Wyatt versus Seth Rollins for Universal Championship. And he falls count anywhere match. This match is now official. The way they set this up is uh, Rollins at the very end of Raw. He attacked Wyatt in the Firefly Funhouse. Then he said, burn it down. And he torched the Firefly Funhouse. Uh, the fans booed. <laughs> they hate this. Yeah. I cannot understand why WWE keeps doing this. And that is burying 
burying Bray Wyatt to a certain extent, right? You talk about he literally the Firefly Funhouse has been one of the hottest things on TV this year for WWE, and they literally sent it up in smoke last week or last night. And they literally Ugh. put Seth Rollins down behind it and let Bray Wyatt beat him up, and it just confuses me. They're putting him in this match which he can't win because they're not going to take the Universal Championship and put it on SmackDown, right? They've already said Seth Rollins is their guy. Um, it doesn't give them an out, and I don't know why you wouldn't have just found a way to move on from this rather than doubling down. And and uh, Bray Wyatt should be a monster right now. Should have the you title. know what I think it is? Should what have the title. Should have the title. Should have won. If you're going to put it in the cell and he's got all this momentum, he should be the champion right now. Anyway. Can I tell you what I think it is, though? I think it is that Vince McMahon doesn't doesn't understand Bray Wyatt and the Firefly Fun Firefly Funhouse. Very, I don't think he gets it. Very upset. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like I'm thinking to myself. He's like, "What's the problem here? We we created a top heel. Seth's our big baby face. He needs competition. He's gonna get the big heroic win." And people are like, "No, we like Bray Wyatt. You've made Seth the bad guy to me. <laughs> you know." He's also done this before too, where he takes something that's really working and clicking with the audience, and he puts it to this meat grinder where he does stuff with it like this, like burning down the Firefly Funhouse, right? And he does these things when he doesn't understand what else to do with them, so he just does something dramatic with them, even if it completely undermines what that character is, because he doesn't understand what makes that character works or why the fans are attached to it. Very upsetting. Um, Very upsetting. So, Very upsetting, man. Very upsetting. I yeah. I, I you're yeah. Exactly. You're gonna burn the fire. You're gonna is it gone? Yeah. You bring Bray into the the arena now. That's weird. And if he was the champ right now, I'd be like all, more on the hook for this false count anywhere. Seth Rollins is like. I'm going to take one. I'm going to get my title back. I don't think it does right. anything to Seth to lose to The Fiend. If anything, I think it endears him to the audience because they're like, thank you for helping to establish this huge monster that we are all a big fan of. And and when he does take the title back, if, how, when, figure out a way, then he's going to be more beloved for it. And he will have chased the, the mighty heel and, and captured his title back. Seth demolished Bray Wyatt at Hell in a Cell, right? Even though he did get upset at the end when Bray Wyatt choked him or whatever. Demolish him there, burnt down his Firefly Funhouse, and if he wins in a couple of weeks at Crown Jewel, what does that what does that say about Bray Wyatt? He's completely defeatable now by a guy who's you know Seth Rollins, super athlete, but he's not the most dominant force in the world. I don't know. I liked when he came up through the ring on on SmackDown and reminded mm -hmm. me of the Undertaker Diesel spot. I thought that was cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good. Uh, we also know at Crown Jewel Roman Reigns. He's going to be appearing. No official match quite yet. We're also going to get the largest tag team turmoil match in history. <laughs> it's always got to be something big. Well, right. In history. The biggest in history, though. It can't just be something big. The biggest Royal Rumble ever, right? Uh, Whatever. Biggest tag team. Oh, man. Have I been clamoring for it with my 2K? I get smoke a doobie, drinks of beers. Let's put together the weirdest thing I can think of. This match is going to determine the 2019 World Cup winner and crown the best tag team in the world. The teams participating will be Ziggler Rude. Former Raw champions, uh, the Revival, New Day, Viking Raiders, Heavy Machinery, Lucha House Party, Ryder Hawkins, the OC, and the B Team. Uh, Kofi Kingston, front and center, right there. He's the main focus of the graphic with everybody because he was the former. He was an awesome champion there for several months. Can't forget about him and just relegate him to a match filled with, with everybody. Yeah. You could do what you did on Friday night, which was put him out there in a segment promoting Susan G. Komen, where yeah. everybody had a championship belt but him and said, look, we have all the champions together. That was pretty well done. I always, I thought they were good at that, but it was just kind of like, man, this is where you are now. You're back to just being in the new day, doing stuff, singing, dancing, hosting. This uh, show is all about appealing 
to the crown prince. And <laughs> yeah, I think that's why it feels so ugly. You mentioned earlier, it feels so gross and nasty. Yeah. It's because it's not meant for us. And I think that's very upsetting. When as a fan, you're watching something and you love something. Um, we criticize it, but we love pro wrestling, right, Nick? I mean, we do. I do. I love pro wrestling. I, I Like I said, I'm very excited for Brock Kane. I think it'd be a very good match. I even like the story setting. Ugh, it kills me. Uh, we'll also get Mansoor Al-Shalil. Uh, he's going to take on Cesaro. Uh, Ricochet has joined Team Hogan. Lashley and Nakamura have joined Team Flair. And there are all of your crown jewel notes uh we will touch we will touch base with this uh next week again to talk about where crown jewel is at uh mma junkie uh i spoke with triple h he commented on ronda rousey's wwe status uh he said she talks to everybody all the time she's constantly with us she's constantly pitching her return so if i had to guess it'll be sooner than later but who knows that she'll be back so ronda rousey back in the mix great i think her and becky still have a lot to do could be could be wonderful Yep. She's not literally constantly with you all, though, or she would be on TV. She's in, in their hearts. <laughs> in their hearts. Uh, CM Punk has pulled uh, a lot, all of his shirts from his pro wrestling tea store. There was only one shirt left on the site. It says CM Punk sucks. Um, <laughs> I think that this is maybe Punk uh, setting the tone, getting ahead of the curve here for when, if he gets back with WWE and all of the haters on Twitter that will say he went back on whatever morals he had and cm punk sucks that's what i'm guessing people are going to be pissed when he joins wwe aren't they yeah that's why i put the shirt out man smart smart they're gonna be super pissed and i'm like what you wanted this for many years it's because he's not joining aw they're gonna be pissed mm. yeah uh mike canellis tweeted out a lengthy statement yesterday announcing he has requested his wwe release it does not say if it has been granted, but he does go on to say about how he wants to wrestle 30-minute matches all around the world. He's just not been happy. He thanked WWE. Um, I thought he had just re-signed him and Maria. He did over the summer, back in June. He I wants out. Man, like him, Rusev, like, you know, is this is this where we get the uh, Luke Harper? I'll throw him in here. He changed his Twitter bio last week. It originally said, uh, you know, DMs are wide open. WWE threatened to find me, but it's cool if NXT cusses on Twitter. Got it. Now it says, I've never been more happy. You know, we're starting to, like, it had been quiet for, you know, two, three months here, maybe a month or so in regards to, like, the backstage descent. But it, it started to creep back in here. This was a lot of stories all at once. It reminded me of a, earlier this summer when we were seeing this stuff pretty regularly. I think what happened was WWE, it is, you see this all the time, if there's not a real culture change within a company, and that is WWE offered all these guys bigger contracts, more money, and they made these promises, right? I'm going to assume back there, like, we understand your concerns. We're going to make sure we feature you more on TV, Mike. You know, Luke, we're going to bring you back out. We're going to do this. Just don't go to AEW. We're changing things around here for the better, we promise. And then it takes a few months for it kind of to cycle through and things to get back to the way they were, the status quo. And I think that's where this company is now is – they cycled through all that goodwill with these guys and Mike Canellis, Luke Harper. Um, they're realizing, and you maybe even see this a little bit with Sasha Banks, but they're realizing that it's not what they were promised a few months back. Man, if you're, I want to know what's really going on with Rusev right now. Rusev and Lada and Lashley feels like, dude, yeah, it's like Mike Canellis, man. They're like, no, no, we're going to degrade you, and then just going to build. It's going to turn, and you're going to get real angry. You're going to start beating people up, and you're going to get that big push. And after a while, it's like, I'm not going to get that big push. You guys are just going to degrade me every week, aren't you? Isn't that the plan for right now? Gross. Um, Wrestling Observer reporting that Ember Moon is suffering from an injury on either her ankle or Achilles. It's not definite which one. Uh, an ankle injury would take months to heal. She could be out for up to a year uh, if it's uh, going to be an Achilles injury. 
So bad news there for Ember Moon. Um, I hope she recovers much faster, but it looks like she'll be out for a while. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I love Ember Moon. I think she's great, and she's just she's had injuries. She's never been given the main roster push that I think she deserves, and um, that's unfortunate. Uh, PW Insider, like you said, you brought up Sasha Banks here. Sasha Banks, she tougher, suffered a tailbone injury at Hell in a Cell. She's been pulled from the ring. She wasn't at the live events this weekend. She's currently not cleared to compete. She was supposed to be in a match on Raw. That didn't happen. Uh, Sasha is also not happy with her 80 rating in the WWE 2K game. She tweeted out 80. That's why I said no to your stupid commercial at WWE games. <laughs> uh, it's t- worth saying. It's worth saying Charlotte Flair had an 87. Um, I, I don't know where Becky Lynch fell on that, but I'm assuming it's somewhere around there. She also like is tweeting a lot about how much she loves Vince McMahon. <laughs> oh, this is this is why she's upset. Ronda Rousey, 91, and this might this might not be true. This might just be rumors. No, they they confirmed it. Uh, Ronda Rousey, 91. Becky Lynch, 91. <laughs> Wow. Sasha Banks, eighty. Eighty. Well, show up, show up every day to work. She's not really. Yeah, she was out for a few months. You, you never know. Uh, well, speaking of the women's division, WWE NXT General Manager William Regal appeared at uh, Evolve One Thirty Seven in Atlanta. Uh, presented Shotzi Blackheart with a WWE contract. No word when she's going to start at the Performance Center, but we also heard recently Scarlett Boudreaux has been signed. Um, I'm going to guess that Shotzi will be part of the class with with Scarlett here pretty soon. But great, Shotzi's great. She's got a little tank. You seen Shotzi Blackheart? Yes, 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 yes. Fantastic. Fantastic. This is a, this is a big deal. Um, yeah, love her. All right. Uh, the Sun spoke with Nikki Bella. Uh, this was a very buzzy thing on the site, so I have to include it. She was asked about her sex life with her new boyfriend Artem Chigavinovitz. She says the best I've ever had. Like my vagina smiles every time. Artem and I <laughs> have an amazing sex life. Really just is this for our it. benefit or for John Cena's benefit? I'm not, just... I'm not really sure what to make of this, but it did get a lot of traffic. There I will got... say this, though. That Artem dude got a killer bill, beard, just like Brian. Uh, it does. It does. All Brian right, Wall. La... That's Brian Wall, not <laughs> Brian Cage. Lastly here. Lastly here. Tomatonga had a mini Bullet Club reunion with the former Prince Devitt. Finn Balor was at his house with his dad, Haku. He shared a photo. He said, I had some friends over for a Sunday barbecue reminiscing reminiscing about our good times together in question, question, question mark. Surround yourself with good people. Keep moving forward. Pretty cool here to see Tom uh, and Finn Balor hanging out again. I would love to know what they were meeting for. Ah, they're not meeting for anything. Finn Balor, future and former, but especially future NXT world champion. My guest at this time is a former WWE superstar who will be appearing at WrestleRex on October 24th. It is Gangrel. Gangrel, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today, man. Hey, what's going on, man? I'm always looking forward to doing a little thing and a banging. And I guess I'm looking forward to heading to Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know what's going on in WrestleRex, but who, who the hell am I wrestling? L.A. Park? <laughs> yeah, yeah. L.A. Park was the other big name advertised. It's you, it's Park, it's Sam Adonis. Like, what do you think of L.A. Park and, and him still being to go as, right, well, as strong as he let is? Let me right make now. sure I got the. Let me make sure I got the right L.A. Park because there's like Marquita. There's like like twenty L.A. Parks, right? Yeah, there's that. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is uh, WCW, WCW L.A. Park, right? The, I, the original one from or Mexico or no? Yes, yes. The chairman of the board, absolutely. Yes, the chairman. Okay, yeah, big old ho- yeah, 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 yeah. I've done some battle with him and uh, Monterey before. He's, it, 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 oh, if I'm wrestling him, it's probably going to be pretty. Uh, Pretty hard hitting and uh, solid match there. <laughs> yeah, well, hard hitting, but you know, La Parca, L.A. Park, you know, was such a big part of the the lucha and the cruiserweight scene in WCW. I mean, were you a fan of his work at that time? 
Yeah, I'm always a fan. I'm saying anybody can put a skeleton suit and get it. I was a fan of the kids in the skeleton suit, Johnny, when he beat up the cruddy kids. Um, well, what about you, Gangrel? I mean, obviously, L.A. Park will be there. We can talk about Sam here in just a second. But, you know, what what can fans expect from you when they see you at Russell Rex on the 24th? Well, I, I don't know what they expect. I, I'm going to – I always uh, – I love the wrestling. I still love wrestling. I you know, I have a wrestling school. I'm in a ring seven days a week. So, uh, whether, whether they like it or not, they'll see 100% of me, and I'm going to give 100% every time, and uh, and I'll just leave everything in the ring. And uh, I'm actually really looking forward to this match. Uh and uh, and coming up there, I always enjoy performing and wrestling in Pittsburgh. So uh, I'm really excited about it. Uh, I'm, I'm just I'm going to go out there and do what I do. Hopefully they enjoy it. And hopefully they, they they're happy with it. And uh, I'm really really looking forward to it. Now you you mentioned your school here. Tell me a little bit about your school. What is it like to get trained by Gangrel? Uh well, it's not like some of these newer ones. It's a little bit old school. We still there's still a lot of yelling and whatnot. I, I'm still trying to uh, adjust my my. my, my my training system is a little bit different than the, the days where I trained like uh, Rusev and, and Jacob Fatu. I was a little bit a harder trainer. I, I'm a little bit easier now, but um, the rest of the school, we have, uh, we have two rings here, uh, 18 and a 16, and we got like a 60-foot rolling area. So if you're trained by me, usually you'll start out on the floor in the rolling area. Um, you could be doing rolls up to a month or up to two weeks. You'll, you'll learn out there, then you'll graduate, you'll move up to the ring, or you'll learn your falls and not, and then you'll learn how to wrestle. And then once you've learned all your moves in the 16-foot ring, you don't touch the ropes. The ropes are forbidden. Once you can wrestle in the middle of that ring for 20 minutes to tell a story without wanting to go to the ropes and you know what you're doing without looking boring and, and boring anybody else, then you kind of, like a video game, you graduate up to the next level, the 18-foot ring, and then you start working in rope drills and a lot, a lot of little bigger things, and then you start putting everything together. And then um, before you know it, you're wrestling. <laughs> Man. Uh, what's the name of your school real quick? Uh, Gang Girls Wrestling Asylum. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, GWA Florida. I, I didn't really want that name. They, they, we shot a lot of names around, but the GWA sounded good. That's what we came up with, GWA Florida. Uh, so Gang Girls Wrestling Asylum. Okay, cool. Well, you know, I, I know... And you got to be crazy to wrestle so you can end up in an asylum. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I know you were you were just recently a guest coach down at the WWE Performance Center. What was that experience like for you? Uh, it, it was awesome um, it, just to see how how uh, things have evolved, you know. Like, I, I say they're spoiled when they come to my school for the equipment and the AC and, and having a clean ring, you know. But then you go there and they got fitness coaches and acting coaches and classes and, and segment. Everything's so laid out for them. All they got to do is show up and become great, you know, if they have it in them. It, 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 it's an amazing facility um, of, of entertainers and athletes and, and pro wrestling. Uh, it, it's great. I, I, I need, I'm supposed to go back real soon, so I'm looking forward to it. Nothing's confirmed yet, but the talk was there. And, and um, I, I'm learning there, too, with how they put their system together. So as I, I train and, and teach and lead down here, did I, I directed the, the, the direction they're going. And, and then now you got AEW up and now, so now you got a whole other avenue, which, which is uh, – really pretty cool and exciting times for wrestling so um it's really good for me having a school uh if i was on the business end of it but i don't do it for money obviously you know i've never heard of anybody getting rich and retiring off a wrestling school but, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I am looking forward to it man looking forward to it. it's gonna be exciting times in pro wrestling yeah well you know talk to me a little bit you know it is an exciting time right now you you brought up AEW. i mean first of all have you have you talked with them about doing anything i feel like you pop up on some of the most popular indie shows in the country still, I don't. I know there's still value in, in having you a part of rosters. 
I do, but I have terrible communication skills. If you, I, I am surprised you're able to get this interview. <laughs> like, like, I had to I had drop so everything. Literally, I literally had to drop everything I was doing, and I was told, "Get on the phone right now." Gangrel wants to talk to you. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I have terrible at communication. I, I'm friends with a lot of guys, but I've never really asked or, or, or talked about or, or nothing, or especially asked for anything. So. Nobody's approached me, which, like, you know, I would love to do stuff like that. I mean, anybody that said they wouldn't, you know, they'd probably be lying or they just weren't capable of it anymore. Um, but, um, no, no, nobody's contacted me. But I really think it's cool and I very think it's really exciting for pro wrestling. And um, I'm really happy for it being there, too, because cause I train students, like I said, gives them other avenues to go. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll be up in OVW coming up. Well, smell on Tuesday. I like checking that out, seeing how those teams working and that type of a farm system thing there. And like to feed people through there and then, you know, up. You, know, you got to get experience somewhere. So yeah. it's just really great that there's other companies coming around. So um, it gives like like all my students and young young adults and women, women young men and women here. Uh, it's just a brighter future for them that they may have a chance to be able to go and perform on a level. And not everybody is WWE structured. Not everybody will be like AEW structured or Ring of Honor or. Uh, MLW, you know, so there's a good melting pot going on out there now, and it's not necessarily so, it's not the ECW of such violent gore and concussions and craziness, you know, but it's still a melting pot, and everything has a place in wrestling, and, and like, like everybody has a place in life, and so hopefully some of my students can find their place in wrestling and life at the same time. Yeah, well, you know, you were you were a big star during, like, you know, arguably the hottest time ever in pro wrestling. I have very fond memories of you and Edge and Christian coming up through the fire, how much of what's going on right now reminds you of that hot period during the Attitude Era? Well, I, I what it, we we stroked in what mid stroke on it or something. Um, I, I don't know. It seems like the start of it, but you know, as you watch things, I'm not real good with numbers and and this and that. And I heard AEW did like a higher numbers here than uh, WWE or NXT actually did. It was a Wednesday, I think. Right? So it was NXT um, against AEW, but. AEW's new, everybody's going to, you know, the WWE people are going to go watch us for the first time and check it out. Any great Lewis wrestler is definitely going to check it out through the hype stuff. So I, I would say we'd like to give it a, uh, give it a, uh, about six months here and then let's reevaluate that question. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a, it's a good wait and see mentality on this. Uh, are you, are you active? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you actively watching all the products right now? Do you keep, uh, is, I mean, it's a lot out there. Are you watching AEW and WWE? I, yeah, you know, I try. I, I, I'm guilty of getting, one match in and had to turn it off and run. I am, I am so super busy. I am blessed. I mean, between doing the school here and working every uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then being the month of October, it's been ridiculous this month. I, I am out on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, I just came in from the New York City Comic. I did New York City Comic Con on a Thursday and Friday all day, and then I went to Virginia to the seminar and a show Saturday night, and I flew back here. Went right to an afternoon show Sunday. Now. You know, today I had some errands around. I'm back at the school uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Back then I got shows Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then, then I go back out on the road for the weeks again because the end of Halloween, the Halloween shows are hitting hard at the end of October. Yeah. But I mean, I'm like that every month, basically. You know, sometimes I just don't have the, I don't have a Tuesday and a Thursday and a Friday and Saturday shows, but I do. And, and, and Pittsburgh, uh, the show coming up that we're talking about is one of those shows that I'll be doing on a Thursday night. So, and I'm looking forward to it. And it's going to be with LA Park and, I really do. I really am. Look, this is. I'm. I'm. Look, then when he when he announced it and I saw it, I said, "Oh, this is really really cool." Because I'm looking forward to that. Because I think. Um, I, I would like to think. I, I felt like we had some good chemistry together. 
then again, it's more of a brawling chemistry, so it might get a little out of hand, but uh, I'm really looking forward to doing some battle with them. Yeah. It's going to be a fun time. <laughs> well, and, and to talk about Russell Rex real quick while, while we're circling back, you know, Sam Adonis is a wrestler. He's also the promoter for Russell Rex, and I know that there's been a lot of big shows. What's it been like working with Sam Adonis as a promoter? He's a very eclectic character. Eclectic, yeah. I, I, this is my first show with him. I've done... You know, I've been on tours with him overseas. Uh, we we spent a lot of time in England together, and and we he pop up uh, here and there on different shows as we we all do throughout the time. But this will be my first show working for him as a promoter. Uh, Everything's kind of cool, kind of last second. I'll tell him that. I'm gonna tell him that when I see him, like this interview. He says, "Hey man, I see him, dude. I'm like today, today, <laughs> like now." He says, "Yeah." I'm like, uh, but uh, no, he's cool, man. He's, he's got a passion for pro wrestling. I think he, I believe his dad. The promoter, so he has that in his blood. I'm not, I don't know if it's bad wrestling or not, but, but obviously the whole family has, has the blood of wrestling, right? I mean, look at his brother, his mother has found his way on the, on the other end of the, uh, he's on the other end of the microphone now, working and doing a great job. Uh, his dad was a promoter, I know that 100%, and um, they grew up in it, so he knows what he's doing, man, and it's in his blood, and uh, he's handling it, and then I've heard he's had great success, and I'm really looking forward to this show. Very cool, man. And, you know, uh, you brought up the Halloween shows you've got going at the end of the month. Uh, obviously, you, a vampire, I can see why you would be uh, very popular around Halloween pro wrestling shows. Uh, it got me thinking before we got on here, you know, you were really in that horror character genre there. Of course, right now there's the other one that's filling that void with, with Bray Wyatt and The Fiend. I didn't know if you had any opinions about what Bray is doing with The Fiend right now in WWE. Well, well, well let me ask your opinion. I, I've been hearing a lot of rumbles about the finish and Hell in a Cell. What was your opinion? I didn't see it yet, so I don't know. But I'm definitely, because there's enough rumblings, I'm going to make sure I see it. Okay, here's... Oh, did you Here's here's the thing, Gangrel. Uh, if you want, because I very rarely get it turned on me in the interviews. But if you're gonna do a Hell in a Cell match, <laughs> right? If you're gonna do a Hell in a Cell match, which is historically been like the end of the line for major blood feuds, you know, um, it's uh-huh. it was weird to me that it was used to start up a feud. And I know that there's been a little back and forth with Seth and Bray, but for this to be used uh-huh. as a stepping stone. In a continuation of a feud, it, it was jarring to me, and and I think that also, and I'm gonna, I, I'll try not to get too long winded, but with the Hell in a Cell only having, I think they had four matches announced for the show, and the big one yeah. was Bray and Seth. I think a lot of fans had their expectations up, rightfully so, that this was gonna be a one match type show, a one moment type show, where you got to see the beginning of a new era. You saw the title change. They really put over Bray Wyatt strong, and that was not what fans got, you know. And I think that that right. I think that was very jarring to them. I would not have necessarily gone that route. I mean, again, it's like if if you're doing you know a math equation with pro wrestling booking, like if we do this to get to there and there to get to here, on paper it looks fine. But I think from ten thousand feet, when you look over on it, you're like, oh man. Mm-hmm. This didn't resonate quite as well as we think we it, it maybe should have. So that was my opinion. I don't know since you haven't uh, seen it. I don't know what uh, you're hearing or how you feel. You know? I, I don't know. I've heard things like like that. Just like okay, for one, it's a hell in a cell, correct? Correct. So I don't know. Was it a no DQ or a no contest? Right? How do you get DQ'd or I, I don't, it must have been a no contest? I don't ma- know how you justify that. It was a match sto- match stoppage. <laughs> they said it was a match stoppage at the referee's discretion because Seth Rollins. Oh, match. Match stoppage, no contest. Okay, yeah. all right. So you're around that one too. 
Uh, I heard it was a sledgehammer, so if it's a sledgehammer, that's like Hunter's guy. I don't know. He beat everybody up with sledgehammer, so I, I don't know. I don't really know. I think they confused everybody. I didn't see it myself, so I can't give you an honest opinion. Uh, so I'm definitely going to watch it, and uh, if you want to talk back, we want to do another interview uh, <laughs> a few weeks from now, sure. after half of the October month, and let's do it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, it's just like, you know, Undertaker Mankind, that's like the most famous Hell in a Cell match ever. If after Undertaker had thrown Mick off the ceiling of the or off the roof of the cage, it had ended, would that match have been remembered as well? I don't know, right? And it's just very weird. Right, right, right. It's just very Two weird. Through the nose and all this, I don't. Know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Well, that's the other one when he fell through the thing, right? So like, because he throwed him off. Yeah, it's craziness, man. I don't know. <laughs> I gotta watch it to see. I, I I get sometimes, you know, wrestlers, you know, as I run shows myself. Uh. You put something together, you're right, and it looks really good on paper. It sounds really good to you back there, and everybody's agreeing with you because, yeah, they're all visually on the same page. But then you have to relay it to the performer, the self, the wrestler, get them to portray something. But then they may get it, and they're cool, and they're on board. Now you got to get the, 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 the 50 million or 100,000 of people watching from whatever to kind of understand that. And maybe, maybe 30,000 of them did, but you heard from the 300, 400 million of them that didn't. You know what I mean? That, got to be careful that you don't outsmart. And I'm not saying wrestling fans are not smart at all, but you, you, sometimes you're too smart for your own good and confuse the hell out of everybody. Well, <laughs> I will say uh, I, I had to I had to bring it up. Um, now, I know you've dabbled in the, into- the adult entertainment business in the past. Have you not? Well, I, I, I put a pinky toe in and jumped out real quick because it, <laughs> it, it, like, it got me so much heat and so much negativity stuff. So I, I, I backed out super fast. Oh. I did put a toe in the water. Okay. That's the only place you put the toe? No, no. I was, I was supposedly uh, directing it, you know. I just I did a scene, one scene I directed. I wasn't in it or anything like that. It was a stupid decision and silly thing. A lot of people don't mind it, but I, sometimes I think it's porn. It, it, everybody secretly kind of likes it, but, but they'll publicly shame it. But <laughs> they don't watch it or something. I don't know. It backfired, and it, it didn't work real good, so. I'm going to stick with what I know pro wrestling. And, uh, okay. you know, I might have only been somewhere in the middle floating around wrestling, but at least I know it and I love it and I can commit to it 100% with all my heart. All right. Well, the only reason I brought it up was because Brazzers uh, had a very popular tweet go up this morning where they offered uh, WWE help with uh, giving their scenes uh, a, a better finish. They said they were better at finishes. Now. <laughs> they, they offered their creative assistance to WWE. I just didn't know what you thought of uh. Brazzers extending the olive branch to help with WWE creative at the moment. Um, anything that generates some social media. Right? <laughs> like, sorry. Sorry. Sam Adonis literally gave me three minutes and these are the kinds of questions I came up with you for, for game. Girl. So, <laughs> and give me two weeks. We'll do this again. Maybe a little more thought provoking questions. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, the other one I want to ask you about, you worked with orange Cassidy recently. I think it was for black label pro or GCW. Right. Maybe at the, the joint. Yeah. What was that like working with Orange Cassidy? What uh, what do you uh, was, yeah. yeah? What do you think of him? Well, it was, yeah, it was like what was a game changer along with Black Label Pro. I think uh, Black Label Pro is the one that actually brought me in, so I'm not sure who he was working for, but it was a joint show, I believe, right. and uh, it was in Chicago. And uh, you know, I didn't know what to think. I got a lot of uh, well, I felt worked with him, so it was fine. But what, but prior, I didn't know what to think. I got a lot of messages from some of the older wrestlers, like you know, Boris, I was chairman Boris, and so. You know, he'd be rolling over in his grave, you know, like this guy's a joke. And I'm thinking, well, 
they're all getting upset, but I, at the same time, I'm thinking, like, they're mad at him, like, taking, taking a crap on wrestling, but I'm thinking, like, well, what did I do as a vampire, man? <laughs> you know, like, like, 1991, I had an eye, it was, like, 1990, 1990, uh, or 91, is whenever I went to Puerto Rico, I, I had this genius idea, I, I was watching the Lost Boys one day, and I said, oh, be a vampire wrestling, you know? What the hell did the people think of me when I did that, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, the other vampire, this guy. I mean, at least it was a scary one until, you know, the, you know, became the brood. I don't know if it was so scary. Then people say it was scary, but later, but I thought it was just cool. But I mean, that wouldn't even have been accepted wrestling. So, you know, I had a lot of people throwing stuff out there in the wind like that. I, I just kind of ignored it. And I, just, I mean, you know, I've seen him wrestle in Shakar and stuff. And, and uh, other places, he's a great worker. He, I, I have a lot of respect for him, and he's a really great guy. So I, when I got there, he, he came up to talk to me. I said, oh, just let me watch a couple of the matches and see what's going on here like so i like to do that anyway just to get a feel of things before i even decide what direction i'm going with anybody on anything so i watched the first couple of matches and i don't know man somewhere else throughout the point he came off stealing beam and other people through light shoes and tore his arm off blood everywhere ladders and light bulbs and slips and dives and i came back to him and i and I, you know, I said to myself when i was watching well if I go and beat him off, it's never going to get over. You know, even if, you know, we just did the match where he put his, you know, his hands in his pockets or whatever, it's never going to get over. I said, the only way this is going to work is if I do comedy backwards. So I, yeah, I, I would, it was nothing else I could do on that card anyways. It, there was no other option, no other route. So made it easy. There's only one thing to do. And I went back and um, I, I went to him and said, yeah, man, you do your thing. I'll, I'll get upset. I'll, I'll put my hands in my pocket. I'll be back to you. He came up with the exchanges and the, little super kick thing, and the people were all entertained. You know, I probably pissed the people off, but at the same time, at the same time, wrestling's rolling over, it's kind of evolving, you know. Uh, it's, it, it, it's a different, it's like when ECW came, it was different. It either for you or it was not for you. Turn the channel, don't watch it, don't go to the show. But you can't get mad at it, you know. Yeah. So, uh, it's just, it is, really, I mean, it's just everything. I mean, wrestling is really, if you watch years of wrestling, and you go back through everything, and I kept in my head, I got a million things rambling around. Um, but there's so much silliness. I, I mean, you've had everything from Hornswoggle being Vince Man. I mean, so much silly stuff in wrestling and Kane and the attitude with the, the dead bodies. I mean, come on, man. How can you be bad at anything? <laughs> you know? I mean, if somebody's got, uh, as the courage to go out there and do something, and it works for them, and it gets over, then, you know, bless his heart. It, it, it's all good, man. Go make your money while you can figure out an outlet to get out of it, which way you're going to go when that ends, because everything can be shelf live if it's not done right. Um, you know, so make sure you market yourself and give yourself an out plan to transition over into wherever it is you, you want to be or whatever you can have a shelf life at, you know. So be smart about it. He's a good, great, great guy, and I, I wish him the most success. I know a lot of people are, either hate it or you like you love it. I don't know if there's any in-between on it. <laughs> Creates buzz. Uh, well, Ganger, I want to thank you so much uh, for the time here today. Again, WrestleRex in Pittsburgh. It goes down October 24th. That's actually the day after the AEW tapings in Pittsburgh. So if you're in town for AEW, stick around one more day. You get to see WrestleRex with Gangrel in L.A. Park and Sam Adonis. Uh, Gangrel, is there anything that you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the interview today? No, man. I just want to say thank you for you being patient with my, uh, last, my, 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 my time schedule there and uh, doing everything up. But the school, Gangrel's Wrestling Asylum, you can check it out. It's in South Florida, so we run shows there. You can find everything on, on the, the Facebook page. Just like it and follow it, man. That's, I appreciate that, man. And thank you to all the fans that uh, allow me to still do what I do 32 years later, and that's to be a pro wrestler, man. Awesome.
Brian Bound for Glory is coming out on October 20th at the Odium Expo Center in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, how do you feel physically going into your match with Sammy Kelly? Uh, well, much better than I felt going into Slammiversary and after Rebellion. Uh, I've, I've been a little bit of plagued with injuries since I won the title, which uh, is a little bit of a... Well, not exactly how I wanted to win the title. How I thought things would go being world champion, but it'll, it'll, it'll look good in the book. It'll make for a great story, but I'm feeling much better and uh, and uh, ready to uh, defeat Sammy Callahan, put him behind me, and uh, move on to my world title reign that I've been disappointed in because I haven't been able to defend the title like I, like I wanted to, but uh, we'll get through that and uh, hopefully de decapitate Sammy Callahan in the process. So. Do you worry about any of the lengths that he may go to? No. No, Sammy, no. Like, okay, so Sammy's really good at bringing out the worst in people, and as cliche and overdone as it is with, like, things going from business to personal as everybody says in this in this industry um, it's exactly what Sammy Callahan has and like that usually can work to his advantage maybe to get in people's mind and kind of get him where he wants them but uh, I don't think he realizes how pissed off I am and what a pissed off Brian Cage is going to do now what's been the hardest part of being the face of Impact Wrestling as champion? Uh, the hardest part, I mean, this is all I ever wanted to do. I mean, this is, I wanted to be the guy. I've always wanted to be, you know, the champ, the number one guy on there. And I feel like I've never, uh, now that I've never been that before anywhere else, but I've never even had the opportunity to be that. And I feel like that was always a million-dollar question. I was like, dude, you've got, like, all the tools. How come you're not the guy? I'm like, I don't know. I'm someone pulling the strings, I guess. And so to finally get that moment is exactly what I wanted. Uh, I guess the only difficulty to it, which I already alluded to earlier, was the fact that it just hasn't been the way I wanted it, just being being injured the night that I won the title or getting injured suffering an injury the night I won the title obviously put a big burden on the uh, on the victory and then the moment made it kind of a little bittersweet and that the fact I've just been dealing with that and, and battling back and forth that nagging lingering injury has uh, has left me you know not being able to uh, to be the champion I want to be but that'll uh, that'll soon soon uh, turn around for me now you're also the warrior wrestling champion uh, Impact is going to be doing an event all glory the night before uh, Bound for Glory with Warrior Wrestling. What uh, what makes Warrior special to you? Dude, Warrior Wrestling is uh, that's actually probably my favorite independent promotion right now. Um, it was uh, it was Wrestle Circus. These, these shut down though. They closed their doors. Um, but Warrior Wrestling is, is has been phenomenal. The guys in charge. It's actually so Steve and his buddy Eric. They are uh, a principal and a history teacher at a high school in Chicago Heights, and they're just huge wrestling fans. And they used to come out to PWG all the time, and they just figured, you know what? I've always fun out here and coming to these shows. And it's hard to get PWG tickets. Um, he's, he's like, maybe we can just start our own thing, and the uh, he passed it around the school board to try to get approved to do like a fundraiser show and they did the first show and it was so overbooked it was so stacked it was like I'm like this show is going to be so like not all these guys not wrestling promoters they know what's going on there's like way too many names on the way too many matches like this show is just going to be disastrous because it's be like 17 hours long and whatever it was the most organized and efficient show I've ever been a part of I couldn't believe it I couldn't, it was everything started on time 
excited one time. Like it was exact to the T. I was like, wow. And the crowd was great the whole time. They drew great. The the whole school board loved it. And now it's a consistent thing. We're going into show seven or eight or whatever it is. So in December. So yeah, it's it's, it's been phenomenal and it's been consistently still that professionally ran every single time. So what, what do you think of Impact's uh, approach to working with smaller promotions like uh, Warrior Wrestling for these one-off shows? Well, it works out well for them too. Well, it works out well for everybody because then it gives uh, you know an added town for us to work. You know, to do like the Twitch shows or the Impact Plus shows or or like the live events, whatever you want to call them. Um, but then at the same token, it helps us get to a market that already has an independent wrestling fan base. It uses those smaller promotions to help promote locally while we promote you know nationally, and then it gives a benefit of us having more uh, shows to work, more more content to produce for for Twitch and our app and everything else. Then it also allows the local talent to get a chance to showcase their talent for more people to be seen, as well as impact management to see them as future prospects as well. So it's kind of a nice little benefit for everything. And then, and then also, you got to think. So if there's a local independent show, say they draw like 300 every month, then they run the impact show and they bring in 600 people. You know, now there's 300 extra eyes on them. So now there's a chance that those, you know, an extra of 100 or so will start coming in to their local shows every month as well. So it's, it's a pretty good mutual beneficial little little deal they got going on. How do you feel Impact's TV product will differ from other wrestling products right now? Uh, well, I mean, I already feel like it has been. I feel like it's been the most consistent product uh, in the market right now as far as overall storyline and match content and quality and everything else. Uh, it just doesn't have as many eyes on it because people aren't able to watch it. But now that they're going to access, people are going to get more access to it. I keep saying that. It's a little fun. And, uh, and I think people will, uh, will realize what they've been missing, which is a little bit of maybe not too much of a shock, too, because all of our pay-per-views have done phenomenal and we've got phenomenal reviews and those are more people have access to those so if you are wanting to watch the TV product and they're just like unable to because they don't have the channel they don't want to watch it on Twitch whatever it may be but now that they're going to a much more accessible channel uh, I'm hoping that everybody else will, will see that going forward and be able to see how good Impact is and has been um, and also a testament to that is the fact too of Bound for Glory it's just sold out so we're in a bigger building and, and uh, I know they were a little worried about it at first but I mean, the fact that they sold it out and the tickets were selling really well before they even announced one match that also just shows you know the, the turnaround that Impact has had I'm going to have a question who was the one wrestler you looked up to growing up Looked up to well the uh, uh, this kid like the first person that made me want to be a wrestler. I mean, two favorite initial favorites were Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon, and then from then it was uh, it was the three Chris's that I wanted to emulate and be like in the ring, and that was Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, and Chris Canyon. With the most importance being Chris Canyon. No, no worries. <laughs> now that your champ, what's your next people, your next goal? What's the next thing? Well, I mean, next goal is to destroy Sammy Callahan and put him behind me. Then go ahead and, and uh, go on the honeymoon, consummate the marriage a few more times, and then uh, <laughs> set it to the next challenge. I know I've thrown it out there. I keep on saying this too that I, I'm trying to make it happen, put it to fruition. Tanomar Fuji is still in Windsor for our TV tapings, and I absolutely want to work him. I don't care if he wins or loses to Michael Elgin, I will gladly give him a title shot. And that, that's the number one guy I think I want to work, especially because that's like probably a, a then or never kind of uh, you know matchup. So there's plenty of guys. I'd love to work and that I will work but he's, he's the first guy if I had to pick anybody that I'd want on the list just because 
I don't know when it'll be back around. So you, you mentioned your wife, Melissa Santos. Yeah. Uh, do you feel that she should be off limits in future feuds? What you know, with Sammy crashing your wedding like that? Well, you know, she uh, she actually got brought in too. I, I I thought they were gonna use her in a different uh, degree and more stuff because she was actually training. She actually had a match with me too, set up at a bar wrestling another one we already did one match and she tore her ACL while training for a match um, so then she was uh, on the shelf in that regards um, we actually just recently went to Columbia at the end of August and got stem cell treatment and her recovery is sped up tremendously and I'm thinking that she'll be uh, near 100% in about 6 to 8 weeks so hopefully her being more involved in stuff we'll put her in a different you know role or more prominent role maybe and maybe we'll get uh, get some more uh, life or action out of her you do a tag team with her? You know, I'm not again. I'm not opposed to it. Not opposed to it. If you if you were able to tag team with anybody, even wrestlers that have gone, who would you want to tag team with? Mm, wow. Because um, we different benefits differently. Like like, just to go through like a list real quick. Maybe like I would love to tag with Kane. So I just said I you know I, I based on my stuff around him, and he was actually one of my my best friends and and people that uh, helped get me into where I am now in the business. Um, a prime. I did just team with him recently at Bar Wrestling. But a prime Scott Steiner would be amazing to tag with. Um, uh, for uh, the, the kid fan of me, if I could have tagged with a, a prime Shawn Michaels as well, that would be great. Um, I'm trying to get something newer. Um, this will be fun right now. Um, I think if uh, me and. This would be Take too long. I keep on thinking of somebody else that's like my kind of uh, of a style guy. Like maybe like a, a someone from WWE, like like a, a Paula Cruz, something like that, just because we both have the similar like body styles and, and athleticism going on. I know we've had a couple of good singles matches too, but something like that would be a kind of a unique, uh, a, you know, one of a kind tag team. With any, and this could be any any wrestler in any platform. Who would you want to wrestle? Now? AJ Styles. That one's easy. I'll be interested. Do you have a favorite PWG memory you'd like to share? Oof. Receiver getting knocked down. There's so many good ones. Um, I mean, like one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite matches there might have been with with Roger Strong. Um, I really enjoyed that match a lot. Uh, there's a, a, a significant moment where I worked Tommaso Ciampa at his debut at PWG in Rolla, where he uh, powerbombed my head on the floor, and everyone thought I was dead, um, including me. And that whole day is gone from my memory. I only know the match I've seen it, but it's the only time I've ever seen the receiver crowd go completely dead silent. Um, it looked gnarly, and uh, I mean, it, not only it dropped my head, I was knocked out cold, but how I fell looked like I broke my neck. Um, and then I woke up and or came to, I guess so to speak, and we wrestled for like another like 15 minutes. And again, I completely out. Like when they say you run on instinct, that's exactly what it was. And you can tell too, like the rush match, like I still just do things like fumble or stumble around and like I'm just not there. Um, so it's crazy we still did that match. Um, there was the, uh, I was just talking about Twitter too, negatively, but um, there's the, the classic Booker T reference from his promo where he shots out at Hogan. I dropped him Willie Mack. That, that was hysterical and everybody loved it. Um, that was like right my, my, my kind of my red hot feud with, uh, with getting over the PWG crowd. 
Um, my, my tag team match was Michael Elgin, even though we're not team anymore. Those are great. That was a fun. Actually, we had our debut with, in the tournament that's called DDT4, and uh, we were rumored to tag together, but then it wasn't going to happen. I was going to be in a match outside of the tournament. And I literally texted the promoter. I'm like, what? Come on, man. We were going to be the Unbreakable FM Machines. And I said, like, just jokingly. And he, he responded back. He that's the coolest tag team name ever. Never mind. You guys are only in it. You guys are winning it. <laughs> So that was that was pretty awesome. Well, I was going to go back more to the when you were a kid. Was there ever a time when you did one move trying to replay a match that you saw as a kid and then go completely wrong? Um, go, go, I mean, like, there's a couple times I'm with the power bomb or like Razor's Edge, like my younger brother or a friend or something, and like yeah, it, did. it didn't go wrong, but it just it didn't feel good because it wasn't going to. Uh, so I get in trouble for it, but uh, I don't know, like in second grade. Yeah, second grade, second grade to like fifth grade, we got grounded from watching wrestling completely. Couldn't watch it all. Just, just from the constant wrestling we'd always do in the house, rough housing. My mom finally had enough of it. I said, That's it, no more wrestling. And then uh, starting in fifth grade, I remember we, we started like just like kind of watching Raw on the DL. So we like to shut the bedroom door and we just turn on and watch it really low and quiet. And it worked out because Monday nights became like frozen food night, so we just have like whatever frozen meals. So we just cooked in ourselves. We'd go and like you know, bring our pizza, or whatever in the in the room, just watch it, and then. And when I stepped, I just like came in to ask something real quick. He's like, "Hey, you guys are supposed to be watching this." Oh, like, like scrambling the TV, like, like as if we're watching porn. Like, I'll turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> we're busted. But uh, and mom came and sat us down. We had a chat, and then we agreed that wrestling was okay to watch again. So, <laughs> did you ever? Did you ever put on tights to pretend to? Uh, as a kid? No, we didn't have any tights. But I mean, like, still your moms. I would. We were like. The only thing I think of there is like, a, like you know, like a, a Batman or something like Halloween costume. But then sometimes I'm thinking of superheroes, so I'd be Batman anyways. But thank you very much uh, to Michael Weissman for joining me to talk the news today. Thank you to Gangrel. Go check him out. Russell Rex, October 24th, Pittsburgh. Sam Adonis, good guy. Gangrel, L.A. Park, great show. Uh, also, thank you to Brian Wool and uh, Brian Cage for the time. Uh, tomorrow we have more impact interviews. I got a lot. We have a lot of impact content at the moment. That's really good. Thank you to impact uh, tomorrow on the show. Uh, I interviewed Michael Elgin. We will air that. We will also have the audio from our own Scott Fishman's interview with MLW Selena De La Renta. They did it from like a nightclub. It was very cool. <laughs> There's video for that one too. That'll be up on our YouTube channel. And uh, if you like our channels, go over to our iTunes channel. You get the post shows, you get the news shows, you get the weekly, you get all the guests, you get all the interviews. It's your place for pro wrestling podcasting go check out the wrestling Inc. itunes channel five star ratings nice comments always appreciated michael what do you want to plug promote put over here to wrap up the show today um i will be back well actually i will not be back this friday uh because with the smackdown post game show because i'll be in the middle of georgia for a friend's wedding so you can come find me there um wherever i will be in the middle find of georgia, georgia or on twitter you want people to go find you in georgia <laughs> i'll be at a cabin in the woods so good luck good luck suckers um you can find me every day all the time on twitter i am at the real wiseman challenge Go find, go find Michael in Georgia this weekend. <laughs> uh, I am uh, at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thank you again so much for tuning in. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. Great. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.